a heat check. You knew that was coming. It's heat check time. Welcome to the Heat Check Podcast. I'm your host, John Gonzalez. I wouldn't say quite emergency, but emergency-ish. <laughs> a little over 24 hours after Jimmy Butler is traded to the Philadelphia 76ers, we bring in Isaac's here. Isaac's always here, but we bring in two of our heavy hitters, one of my favorite Philadelphians. Chris Ryan is in the studio. And not quite, you missed the cut on the favorite Philadelphian by like 90 That's miles. All right. But you would otherwise be it's grandfathered right. in. Jason Concepcion is here. All three of us hate Boston. so Right, and true. it unites it us. We're united in hate. And it's a great time to be that person. It right is now. a great time to hate Boston. It's wonderful. Uh, the first note on my outline here, gang, holy shit. Mm-hmm. I had a nice Saturday plan. I was talking to Chris about other things, Sixers related, and all of a sudden everything got blown up. The Sixers traded Robert Covington, Dario Sarge, Jared Bayless, RIP Jared Bayless, Man. and a 2022 second round pick for Jimmy Butler and Justin Patton, who plays in the NBA. Let's go around the horn. How do we feel about it? Initial reactions. A couple of Philly friends asked me about this last night. Obviously, I was talking about it for 24 straight hours. And over the course of this conversation, I think I developed a bit of a reputation in terms of how I was approaching it. And somebody introduced my take to someone else as being like, CR is nervous. And I was like, I'm not nervous. I'm pessimistic. Oh, that's worse than nervous. It's different. It's different. <laughs> and, and worse. It means my nerve endings are dead. It means oh, yeah. that this era of NBA volatility and player movement and anything can happen at any time has kind of made me a little dead to like the shock of something like this. In a weird way, I almost was like, yeah, I expected this. But I am pessimistic about how this is going to work long term for a lot of different reasons. And we're going to get to all of those. Yeah, we have a lot of things to get into. I just want like the macro, like your first reaction when you heard that this went down and what you thought, like good or bad for the Sixers. We'll get to the Wolves component. That's going to be a part that we'll discuss as well. The Sixers are on the clock now. You know, Jimmy's yeah. a guy with a window. A lot He's, of people are on the clock yeah, for that it's organization. It's time. Now it's time to actually win games. No more of this developing. It's really the death of the process uh, in a very real way, which made me kind of sad. Yeah, I, I wrote about that for TheRinger.com. Yes. We have a bunch of uh, stuff on TheRinger.com. We have that piece. KOC handled the basketball side for the Sixers. Charks did the basketball side for the Wolves. Palo and Justin did winners and losers. My initial reaction was exactly that, yeah. that like this whole organic, homegrown, go and pluck Rocco off of the G League for no money whatsoever. And then, and then after that, follow it up with like a very reasonable contract and get Dario and he's got two years that he's stashed away in Europe and it's cool and we'll, we'll yeah. take our time. Taking your time is over. Yeah, this is like it. this is a signal right now that like they think it's time to go. Let's see how this goes. And initially my my reaction was I look at the Eastern Conference and I go the Sixers and KOC put this in his piece. The Sixers now have 3 of the top 20 players in the league yeah. and only the Warriors can also say that. So they're they're better. Yeah, it's going to test a lot of what we think we know about building championship teams. Yeah. I think it was the right trade and the wrong guy. I think they're better, but I also think they're thinner. So it, it's kind of weird cuz I go, "Oh, I like Jimmy Butler in a vacuum, but there's no vacuum with Jimmy Butler. There's not a lot of touchdown dances going on. And as there yeah. there probably wouldn't be because I think Covington and Sharks were particularly beloved members yeah. of the Sixers. And even last night was they were talking to the guys on the team when they lost to Memphis. They were asking a bunch of them. And Embiid was like, yeah, I was like kind of tearing up. Everybody was like, it was kind of a gut punch. You know, <laughs> hilariously, Embiid was like, I was texting with wigs about Butler. I was like, great. <laughs> Sounds like a, a great trip advisor right. review. <laughs> what does Wiggins think of yeah. Butler? But, you know, I think everybody's like this sort of playful preschool is about to turn into a lion's den. Right. So, all right, let's do the off-court drama stuff, right? Because there's a lot of it with Jimmy Butler. And and you have, when Embiid's first reaction is to text <laughs> Wiggins, like I, my, yeah. Uh, yeah, I was also like, oh, already? That's probably not great. The like, Kansas maybe just Bagman brotherhood is strong. It, yeah. is, <laughs> it is strong. So, Embiid said that he was well aware, obviously. How could you not be well aware of everything that's been happening in Minnesota and the reputation that Jimmy Butler carries with him? As I wrote in the piece, like whatever happened in Minnesota and the way that Jimmy Butler would give it to guys, that's not going to happen in Philly for a lot of reasons because like Jimmy Butler has met his match in terms of shit-talking with Joel Embiid for sure. Like Embiid is not the take-it kind of guy. He's the give-it-back-to-you whether you're playing pickup or practice or in the game. Yeah, I I wonder how Wiggins answered the phone. Was he like... This is not Andrew Wiggins. This is Reek. Um, yeah, it's really, that part of it is fascinating because, you know, the kind of, oh, we, we can roll Fultz out there to start and then we'll start JJ in the second half. And, oh, don't worry about Dario. Like, he'll figure it out over time. Well, you know, it's like he's getting better. All that kind of like wait and figure it out stuff is done. Now it's like, okay, need shooters. Uh, yeah. Guys have to produce. 
So what does that mean when you're bringing in one of the most outspoken guys in the league who's not afraid to talk shit to people and you have a guy on your squad who is struggling with his confidence and it's a fan base that when push comes to shove is going to rally around its players, which Jimmy is kind of on the outside of that at this point. So it's like it's how this could all break out. I can't wait to see it. Like on the surface, just like if you were going to talk about a Philadelphia archetypal player, somebody who would fit into like the ethos of the city and like what we generally gravitate towards, you would think like Jimmy Butler is pretty perfect. He's mouthy. He gets after people defensively. He's a thousand miles an hour at all times, no breaks. But as Jason mentioned, he's being introduced into an environment that like has like a really strong, solid core fan base and yeah. got very attached to the two guys who got sent out. Right. And and Brett Brown has been building a culture and he's been put a lot of emphasis onto that. And I just wonder about like the attendant volatility and whether he can operate in that environment. And if he can't, and if he gives like a post-game quote one game after maybe they lose on a back-to-back and he pops off, like, how does the fan base react? How does the media react? How does the team react? Like, yeah. There's a lot of potential ripple effects. It's a question about whether or not Jimmy Butler likes living in the, the eye of the flame or not. He and his team have been very available to people oh, yeah. who want to go do, I sat down with Jimmy Butler. Sam right. had one in The Athletic the other mm-hmm. day. It yep. is quite a read. It's a great one. Yeah. It's eyebrow singeing. 41 minutes, that shit has got to stop. Yeah, he's <laughs> complaining about how many minutes he's playing. He's talking about how he does or doesn't choose whether he's going to play. All he wants to do is listen to his country music and read his Bible. Incredible. And he doesn't have time to read any other shit. But if he did, he wouldn't because those people don't know what they're talking about. Like, he is a very strong personality. And you said the word volatility. And I think that this move... Is so emblematic of how volatile the league is right now, man. Yeah. It's just it, like yeah. the way this league started this season, despite the fact that we're just going to be here in June and being like, wow, the Warriors only lost six games in the entire playoffs or something at, at most or something. You know, the Rockets not doing well. Carmelo being on a milk carton. The Raptors and Bucks being better even than I think we could have imagined them being. The Celtics sputtering a little bit. Like all the little things that are happening and you introduce that into, oh, it turns out if you hire Coach Bud or a guy like him or a guy as good as him, yeah. you can change the like the right ceiling away. of your team. And then you add into that pre-agency, which is just like yeah. now a reality, which is basically now we're all waiting to hear when Anthony Davis is like, I probably am not re-signing. You know, yeah. like this is this reality. And this trade really represents that to me because it's a volatile character. It's a guy who's exercised his pre-agency. It's a guy who we can talk about it being the last couple of months, but it's really been the last couple of years with yeah. Jimmy. It's go, it goes back to 14-15, rejecting a contract offer, winning most improved player, then signing a deal that he obviously didn't like almost immediately and immediately like starting to talk his way out of Chicago after that. I mean, this is a chaotic player. Yeah. And I think that the Sixers were a little bit ahead of schedule last year. And now they felt like they were behind schedule at the beginning of this season crazy, because of yeah. how good the Bucks and the Raptors look. They're the fourth best team in this conference now. You know, all of a sudden they're like, oh, we're going to be conference title and NBA finals contenders for the next six, seven years. No, no, and no. That, you're like, second round and out, dog. Playing catch up. And like that, how quickly that changes is bananas. That's what I'm saying. The knock on effect of Jimmy putting them on the clock is going to be fascinating to watch because like you can't sit around and let guys figure it out anymore. Like Fultz, there's no time for him to just like figure out when to be a shooter. They traded away two of their most consistent shooters now. So like shooting is at a premium with this team. There's no time to figure out how Ben and and Embiid are going to work together on the court. How do you fix the kind of like my turn, his turn stuff? Now it's time to win. Yeah. And like to Chris's point about like the hierarchy of the league and the balance of power and how quickly it changes. Like I was with you where last year I was like, oh, this is all, you're playing with house money, Mm -hmm. right? You got plenty of time. We had people coming up and being like, doesn't it feel good? You guys are going to be great for eight years. Yeah. Yeah. And then you wake up and you go, oh shit, we're way behind. Like, and the Celtics series was a massive wake up call on that one. And then you start the season, you get off to not a great start and Dario wasn't playing great. And you look at what you have with faults and you're still wondering and you go, oh shit. Yeah. They need a lot more shooting. They need more defense. Mm -hmm. They need a lot of everything. And you've got to go and and gamble on something like this. And I think it is for all of the reasons that we outlined, and we're going to bore down into like the actual basketball components here, but for all of like the very surfacey macro components, a risk, but one that I'm glad they talk. Here, I'll make the case for it. I'm not sentimental about Rocco and Dario. This is going to happen. 
They were always going to do that. That hurts this. me. You're already desensitized. No, like, I I wanted, it was, it was right. If it wasn't going to be Butler, it was going to be somebody else. It was going to be those. It was going to be those. I would have rather that they had gone for someone like Beal personally. Sure, sure. But this was going to happen. Ernie Grunfeld is riding that trio. This is a consequence of fucking sunset. Of blowing consecutive lottery picks. This is also a consequence of not getting LeBron or Kawhi or Paul, or Paul George last summer, and they are not getting Clay or Kevin next summer. So yeah. what it, that means the list is down to one, 1. 1.5 guys, depending on how truly dedicated the Celtics and Kyrie are to one another. And Kyrie doesn't really work on the Sixers anyway. No. Well, so, so you basically are down to one guy. And they made the deal. And they actually didn't pay that big of a price for it, relatively. No, I, I actually, my initial reaction was I'm surprised this is all it took when it was mm-hmm. just a second pick and you toss in Vail is Thank for, God for, Tom for, Thibodeau. for yeah. yeah, for salary matching purposes. And it's, I like Robert Covington a lot. He's on a fucking fantastic deal. Somebody's going to pay Dario Saric a lot of money. Probably wasn't going to be the Sixers, but I love him. But just like those two pieces, they're not nothing. There's something significant, but I just expected for Jimmy Butler, it would be more. But when you're talking about like, yeah, what are you going to get in free agency? I think the Sixers and a lot of teams that had cap space anticipated, hey man, we can go and just throw money at people yeah. and they'll walk in. And obviously they would have much rather just signed them into the cap space rather than giving them up assets. Guess what? A lot of teams got money. And guess what? It's fucking hard to land people in free agency. And if you miss and the music stops yeah. and there's all these chairs left, like who, how are you going to fill them? And so you go out and you make a trade and you hope that he sticks around. And I know a lot of people have said like, oh, if he walks, worst case scenario, the Sixers could potentially free up $50 million. Right. For who? And get For fucking who? Yeah, who's, yeah. yeah, there's nobody out there. Yes. No, they need to fucking, if he walks, that's a goddamn disaster. Yeah. Resign Dario. <laughs> <laughs> right. You toss the money back at him. <laughs> uh, it's a good example of kind of like the effect that the super team era has had on the, the down market teams, which is like, if you want to beat top team in your conference a lot of times you're just going to have to roll the dice with something you know you're just going to have to be like okay this maybe this works maybe it doesn't but i don't see any other way that we beat the celtics or toronto really this year who look like a freaking juggernaut or how you beat the warriors this is the same kind of thing that led houston to make the mellow deal because it's like okay what do we you know how how are we going to beat those guys head up we can't we have to make a deal while we're still on that sort of like top line reaction component when we're talking about the Sixers having three top 20 players and trying to keep, you're, you're shaking your head, you're not sure about I, it, I'm, I think they are, but I think it's also a thing where these are two players that are so early in their development yeah. cycle that it's like, who knows? There are holes in their game that need addressing, and who knows where they are in three years. I look at Embiid this year and go, he's taken a step forward. He's mm-hmm. playing considerably better at both ends of the floor. With Simmons, there hasn't been such a big leap, or like he hasn't taken the step as significantly as I expected. But they have three key players that I think like in the Eastern Conference makes the players, but this is the part that I wanted to get to. So where now are they in the Eastern Conference hierarchy? I mean, because I look at the Raptors and I go, they've got Kawhi, so they've got one guy who's better than anybody else the Sixers have. However, the Sixers have more of them, but then, however, the Raptors are considerably deeper. They're so fucking deep. They're so deep. The Celtics, okay, yeah, I think the Sixers are in that mix now, right? I think they're probably... Better just on terms of like top tier talent than the Bucks, but when you have Giannis, that's a question mark. Mm-hmm. Even after getting Jimmy, I don't go, oh shit, yeah, the Eastern Conference is theirs. It's not. And they move up a slot, maybe fourth, fourth, fifth. Does it get to them to the conference finals? Maybe I don't think it, so. It actually, I think seeding is going to matter a lot. Yeah, it's going to matter. I think a lot. It, it's and, and I don't even mean that like home court advantage as much as like who they catch in the second round is going to make a huge difference this season. Yeah, I mean, if they open up in the four or five against the Celtics, that's a problem. Right. I mean, I think it does create a little bit of separation, with all due respect, between Raptors, Celtics, Sixers, and Bucks, and then the, the Pacers are a little sure. bit below that. Yeah. You know what I mean? And the Pacers can beat almost anybody on any given night, but I just don't think they have the firepower. It's so interesting, man. I know we're going to get into like the on-court stuff, yeah. but it's like everything I think about with this trade is so theoretical. And yeah. it's yeah. everything I think about team building is so theoretical with this. It's like Ben Simmons' numbers aren't as like, they have not taken a leap. Ben Simmons' numbers are entirely tied to a record because like Ben Simmons does all the stuff that is like 16 points, 13 assists, nine rebounds, and no shots outside of three feet. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. like I'm never going to be like, my eyes aren't going to fall out of my head. But when Simmons leads him on a seven-game win streak, you're right. like, that guy's Jason Kidd and Magic Johnson's body or whatever. You know, it's just, there's this excitement about him either way. And Bede, on the other hand, is nothing but like absolutely gaudy stats. Yeah. But 
could barely beat Charlotte, and which is like fine. I mean, like they were obviously like headed towards a trade, and then the next night they lose to Memphis and Embiid had absolutely no win left in him. But I don't know. I mean, like they're I'm not concerned about Ben and Joel as much as I don't. I just don't even know if Jimmy Butler is enough. I, I don't which know. Amazing. I, I mean, the exciting thing to me is how he ties Simmons and Embiid's games together. You needed a shot creator, somebody who can operate with the ball in their hands and score from more places on the court than right at the rim. And Jimmy Butler can do that. How does his ability to create space make Ben Simmons' life easier? How does it allow Simmons and Embiid to coexist on the court together? I think that's going to be really cool. KOC touched on, can you use Ben Simmons as a screener in a a Jimmy Butler, Ben Simmons pick and roll? Like, that's a cool thing to do. All that stuff is really interesting, but is that enough firepower to really win? Can I just ask, can I ask both of you guys a question? Do you like Jimmy Butler's game? It's fine. This is something that I wanted to get into, just like the aesthetics and entertainment value of this. I've watched a lot of of Jimmy Butler mixtapes over the last 24 hours. So I'm outside the the mainstream on this one, I'm, I'm sure. I like guys who generate points by getting to the line and converting efficiently, mm-hmm. right? Like Jimmy Butler is an okay shooter. He's a mm-hmm. slightly better right. league average shooter on uh, spot ups. He'll be fine with spacing the floor. He can do that. But what he's really good at and what the Sixers have lacked and what we saw in that Charlotte game that you mentioned and what we saw in that Memphis game that they dropped was when they didn't really have a closer. And like yeah. we saw that in Boston too last year where it was like, oh shit, you're not going to rely on Ben Simmons to go and just pull up and, and shoot because he can't and he doesn't. Right. And Embiid and, and is, you know, he'll try to do too much and he'll fumble one out of bounds off his knee and that'll be it. And you need a closer. And he's that guy. He's that guy who will hit a shot or get to the line, which I know not the sexiest thing to watch. I enjoy it. (laughs) It's like, he's going to do the James Harden thing where he's going to shimmy shake you and he's going to get contact and it's going to drive you fucking nuts. And then he's going to hit his free throws. And thank you. Yes. I like that. He's grimacing at me right now, by the way, Chris Ryan. I just think not having to have Fulton Ben Simmons on the court at the same time is really big. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I know that that's like a really simplistic thing to say, but it's huge. Having a league average shooter that can create on the floor with Ben Simmons at the same time is, I mean, that's huge. I still don't know. I still don't think that's enough firepower to get them out of the East, but it's, it'll be really exciting in the ways that it opens up Ben Simmons' game. Particularly. Uh, you you asked us this, and we gave you our entertainment aesthetic answers, and I feel like there's a thought percolating in your head. Every need that the Sixers have, he fills. Yeah. He's a better on-ball defender than Covington. He's an absolute alpha closer in the fourth quarter. He generates, like, tons of contact. We'll get other guys who are important to the other team. Like, he can get Tatum in foul trouble in a playoff yeah. game. He can get Jalen Brown in foul trouble in a playoff game. He could torment some of the Toronto's wings and get them in. Like, I mean, like, honestly, just on a basketball level, I'm losing my mind. I can't wait to see Jimmy Butler versus Kawhi Leonard in the playoffs yeah. or Jimmy Butler versus Jason Tatum in the playoffs. Like, that's great. I feel like there's a massive butt yeah, coming. But, yeah. <laughs> well, because recency bias, if you watch the few Minnesota games he played, it looked like a guy trying to destroy a basketball team. Right. He would do things that were like, even from my, like, not cleaning the glass perspective, Yeah. I was like, Wow, so he dribbled for like nine seconds and then got a double and took that double into the corner and handed it off to a shooter in the corner who was also being guarded so that the shooter in the corner was now triple teamed So and then didn't move to create space again. Like, he has a little bit of like, what are you doing out there? To like, I, I, I was good. I had much less kind way of putting well, that, think, but like, <laughs> I think a lot of that, which is the concern that carries over to the Sixers, is that uh, if Jimmy senses like a weakness in his teammates, an unwillingness to kind of be a, the kind of hard ass that he wants, he will just do shit, you know? And so the hope is that, yes, Jimmy Butler burned down a house, but he's not an arsonist, you know, not in right, his heart. Yeah, yeah. So that's the hope now is... Fred Hoiberg is currently rebuilding a house being like, you're <laughs> right? fucking kidding me? Right? <laughs> when Markel, you know, when Markel Fultz is like, you know, passes up a wide open three in the corner or, or shoots it four feet past the basket, the hope is that Jimmy Butler will not give him a look that actually withers his insides, Or talks wild shit to him in the locker room. That is the hope. My bigger point was also just that, like, Jimmy Butler plays a kind of bruising, but, like, requires a lot of patience. Basically, he derives a lot of, like, usage out of just, like, the way he plays. He dribbles hard. He takes a lot of contact. He likes to, like, wait out defenses and find a weak point and attack that weak point and see what he can get out of it. He takes a lot of challenges, whether it's shooting over a guy or shooting at the hoop, like with a bunch of dudes jumping at him. There is like something about it that it is a very like heroic 
but not always conducive to team basketball way of playing. He's a throwback and, like, guy. The in a lot way of ways. he made his like name was when he like saved those Bulls teams in the years that Rose was like was yeah. was injured, right? And since then, I have not seen him work in any kind of team context. So to your point about team building, and to your point earlier about how the caucus started, then for me, that's a lot of Brett Brown, right? You've got Brett Brown at the middle of this going, okay, if Jimmy is going to pound the ball for nine seconds and try to burn the house down, he's got to run out there with the fucking fire extinguisher. And then, oh, by the way, this whole thing about culture that he's been talking about for years, and, and he's done a really good job with it. I mean, by all accounts, everybody I talk to over there will say when things were really dark and terrible and grim and they were in danger of setting league records for losses <laughs> yeah. in a season, Brett Brown was the one constant. He was the one out there answering the questions and keeping those guys together and like... JJ talks about it on his podcast. Now it's a different equation that he has I mean, to solve and a much more complicated one. Managing the ego of a guy who is looking at a hundred ninety million, possible $190 million contract extension is a different challenge than managing the egos of two young guys. Like, you know, that's just a fact. Yeah. So what does that mean? We're going to see how good... Brett Brown really is. We are going to see how good Brett Brown really is. I want to bore down into like the actual basketball about this sure. and also touch on the Wolves because the Wolves made a trade too. It wasn't just the Sixers. But first, let's take a break for a word from our sponsors. Today's Heat Check is brought to you by Casper. Casper is a sleep brand that continues to revolutionize its line of products to create an exceptionally comfortable sleep experience one night at a time with three mattress models, the original Casper, the Wave, and the Essential. Casper mattresses are perfectly designed to soothe and cradle your natural geometry. Not to mention the breathable design helps you sleep cool and regulate your body temperature through the, the night. And it's delivered right to your door in a small, how do they do that size box with free shipping and returns in the U.S. and Canada. But the best part is that you can be sure of your purchase with Casper's 100-night risk-free sleep-on-it trial. After all, you spend one-third of your life sleeping, so you should be comfortable. Now, I don't have a Casper yet. I kind of want a Casper because Isaac Lee, our esteemed producer, he has one. He loves it. Yeah, I recently moved to the east side of Los Angeles, and I had been sleeping on a spring mattress, and I just switched to a Casper mattress. Let me tell you, it is actually incredible. <laughs> I've never slept on a foam mattress before and the way that it kind of contorts to your body and like make sure it's supporting your body while you're sleeping. Incredible stuff. I have chronic back problems because I edit audio all day and uh, it's helped a lot with that. Anecdotally, gang, I'll say this. We generally record Heat Check very early on a Monday. This one, obviously, special circumstances, so we're doing it on a Sunday. But normally, early on a Monday, and Isaac, much less cranky now that he has a Casper oh, yeah. mattress, comes in, bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, he's ready to rock. And guess what? You go out and get a Casper mattress, you get $50 toward select mattresses by visiting casper.com slash NBA and using NBA at the checkout as your code. That's casper.com slash NBA. Offer code NBA for $50 off your mattress purchase terms and conditions apply and now back to heat check all right so basketball wise again my initial reaction was they're better and then they're also thinner because now the lineups are going to shift and this idea about Fultz being in the starting lineup and bringing him along slowly that's over yeah it's gone he's going to be coming off the bench you're going to move JJ back into the starting lineup what's your favorite Sixers starting five well that's the question because they traded from last year's best starting five lineup in the league, two of those guys now play for Minnesota. Mm -hmm. So you're going to move JJ into the lineup. You've got Embiid, obviously, and Simmons and Butler. Now the question is, do you go with Shamit? Do you go with Wilson Chandler? I'm probably going to go Wilson Chandler eventually and bring Shamit off the bench as this sort of JJ mini-me. The problem with that is Wilson Chandler's got a nagging hamstring injury. Wilson Chandler has a lot of miles on him. How does he look with Jimmy Butler? Let alone like, how does Jimmy Butler look with Simmons? How does you know what happens with the usage rate there? Yeah. There's a lot of questions about how these guys are going to fit. Yeah, I feel like we're looking at a, an unfinished piece of work here. I think there's something more there's to another come. Trade. I don't really know if Corver is the answer, which is the one that's getting tossed around a lot. They definitely need more shooting. But I probably would go ahead and start a veteran team. I would start Simmons and Embiid with Redick, Chandler, and Jimmy and have that be the starting lineup. I think it's good for Jimmy, too. It puts him with a bunch of guys who know exactly what they're supposed yes. to be doing. That, like, let's have Shamit and see if he's still playing out over his head out there. Let's let Fultz grow. 
at this point, like Markel Fultz, unless he just doesn't have a phone, knows that there's a lot of skepticism about him. Yes. So why not just have him play second unit and see if he can come along and put him in that like that kind of Malik Monk, like anything is good. That's yeah. kind of a silver lining for this is that there's no more like, okay, how do I simultaneously uh, serve these two masters of developing Markel Fultz and building his confidence and putting together a lineup that works together in a 2018 basketball way. And now you don't have to deal with that if you put out uh, yeah. that the, kind of starting The, the team immediately, after everything that Jason has been saying and what you guys have been saying about like this, the clock ticking, like this team now all of a sudden becomes a meritocracy. And yes. if Markel can't play yeah. his way past TJ McConnell, he may fall out of the rotation entirely. I don't think that that's smart for his A, career, or B, trade value. But that is like in play. Oh, there's no doubt about it. I mean, uh, you saw with a, a short, small shrunken roster against uh, the Grizzlies the other night when TJ was on the floor at the end of the game because they needed somebody to, with a little spark and a little defense, and that was when they needed warm bodies out there and they had to go to TJ. So I wonder— And yeah, was fine last night. He was fine. Yeah. He was fine. The game before that, less fine. And that's been that's been <laughs> yes. pretty consistent yeah, with him yeah. where it's like, oh, the only consistent thing is inconsistency, and yeah. you're still not sure what you're going to get out of him. And I think that idea of this being a meritocracy and like no more— Hey, like if there are games where you catch a DNP CD, that's it. Like it's the it's big life. leagues, yeah. brother. And I don't know what to tell you about it. And sometimes I think maybe I'm I'm looking at something completely different. But after the trade went down, one of the reactions that that came out of Philly from people I talked to was at least they didn't have to throw faults in the deal. And my reaction was what? Yeah. Like my reaction was <laughs> you couldn't give him away right now. Yeah, like, who's, there's who there's no value there. The only value is for him to come up through that organization and like somehow correct whatever the fuck is wrong with him. Otherwise, I was listening to Dunked On as I was driving and they were like, you have to trade him right now. Yeah, listen. Good luck. He played pretty well. He plays hard and he played pretty well last game, but like he's bad. Inconsistency, yes, is a part of it. He's a bad basketball player right now. He's not good. He hampers your team in a way that is brutal. And when you look at it with the lack of shooting that exists, Within the team already, it's devastating. He was brought in because he checked a number of boxes that the team absolutely needed. They needed yeah. a creator. They needed a guy who can operate in the pick and roll and create his own shot and could shoot from outside. And he can't do that stuff. So the training wheels have to come off at some point. And like, if he can play, he can play. And if he's not playing well, yeah, great. Or he gets stuck in the garage. I yeah. mean, there's no, like, there's really no way around that. And the problem here is that there wants more. I'm with you. I think that this is a, an incomplete product that they need to go out and get something mm -hmm. else. And I don't know if that's going to be via trade for a guy like Kyle Korver, who on paper would fit very well. He's a bigger body. He doesn't get enough credit. He's a shooter. That'd be wonderful. Maybe Ariza shakes loose yeah. from the Suns. But it could also be that the Sixers end up like once more looking for castoffs on, on the buyout market, right? Where they're just like, oh, well, last year it worked out okay where they ended up with Urson yeah. and Bellinelli. But those guys way overperformed last year. And I think like trying to hope for that to be reproduced this season is folly. I would hope, honestly, if they are going in this direction, like tear the Band-Aid off. Like go for it. Right. Go for someone. Like, like what does it take? What do the Wizards want for Beal? What do you have to give up here? What do you have left? Yeah, what do you have left? They, that you I mean, like, they have they have one lottery pick with an esophagus problem, and they've yep. got another lottery <laughs> pick who can't shoot. But those are two lottery picks, and Wilson Chandler's expiring. And you've right? got the the unprotected Miami and the pick. unprotected Miami pick. They have a package. I don't think like according to Woj, the Wizards were completely uninterested in parting with Beal in any conversations with the Wolves about Butler. I can't imagine if it ever comes to... Things are going great in Washington and Ernie <laughs> likes his team, Chris. And, and I know that Wall is essentially like untradeable at this point <laughs> yeah, because of his contract and, yeah. and the, the, what his game looks like right now, whereas Beal is basically JV Clay Thompson. Yeah. But they may not have a choice in that matter. They may be stuck with Wall, and in which case, if they're going to rebuild it all, if they have that kind of foresight... Look, I'm not even saying the Sixers could even get a phone call back on that one, but I think I would rather see them actually swing for the absolute green monster fence then be like, what about Kyle Korver? What about some scrap heap guy who got tossed off by a, a team that's tanking? Why not? What are we doing? You think Korver is going to fix it? Korver is just going to get hunted in the postseason. Yeah, no, I, I think you're making some good points. I'm still wrapping my head around the accelerated timetable. I mean, it's, it's where it, it goes from, hold on, let's like, you know, let's, this thing's moving now. Things are fine to, the gas pedal is all the way down and the brake line has been fucking cut and the cliff is coming mm -hmm. all of a sudden where you're like, yes, sure, trade fucking everything. And I don't know if I'm quite there yet. 
As like, a fan or as a as a yeah. person who's like, this is where this is going. I mean, if you're just asking me for fucking content, yeah, let's do your plan. If you're asking me, would I do that were I in charge slash, you know, do I want to see the team that I watch the most do that, then that's a different equation. I mean, listen, when you guys re-sign Jimmy, when the Sixers re-sign Jimmy, the best years of that contract are going to be in the beginning. It's going to be no the doubt about it. He's this is a guy that's going to like everything we know about players with this kind of play style and with the injury history that he has, they will fall off. He will fall off. The end of this contract that he will sign with the Sixers is going to be tough. So I agree. Like smaller window than people. It's very small. Yeah. So like let's hit it now. And then if it does fall apart, listen, you've still got these two young guys that you can cobble together something around again. But like the time has come to like go for it the next two years. So. In theory, all of this makes sense, what you're saying, but then I remember like the way that the NBA landscape looks, and yeah. I see over on the horizon, if let's just say we that the Sixers go with that plan, right? Which, uh, which plan? The, the, cor- the, like, the like Corver? Fuck it all. Fuck set, it all, Beal. Give, give me get, somebody. Get yeah. some, a, a fourth guy who's a, a major name who would be a shooter and help space the floor mm-hmm. and like exactly what you're saying. Let's say for like theoretically uh, or for the purposes of this hypothetical that it is Bradley Beal. Mm-hmm. Does that get them past the Warriors? Because ultimately, you still have a Warriors problem in the next year to two years. I mean, I really literally find myself becoming aroused thinking about that. (laughs) (laughs) Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, Bradley Beal, and Jimmy Butler versus the Warriors. Yeah, like I, I, the three of us would probably be on the bench for the Sixers at that point. Yeah, but. I, I mean, like, isn't that what the whole Daryl Morey, the Warriors have forced us to change our risk profile thing is? Yeah. I mean, they lose in five, but I want Jimmy Butler and Draymond like at each other's necks for, oh, well, for a series. That, that I would happen. love to see that. Well, in advance. Yeah. I mean, you'd get that the entire time. If he's threatening to fight Tristan Thompson in the parking lot, yeah, you definitely get that. That's the one that gives me pause because even if you could make that happen, which is a massive if, and, and I would bet strongly against it, even if you could make it happen, I understand why Daryl thinks that way. But then I look at the Sixers' timetable and I go, Jimmy Butler now changes it, yes, but your other two guys kind of still don't. It's a tough middle ground. I guess you've already committed. I guess you've already decided. By well, getting Jimmy Butler, they've they, already I mean, decided. You know, Jason's saying like the, they're gonna do, when they do this deal and the bad years, will the back end of that contract are going to be coming up really fast with a guy like Jimmy Butler with a history of lower leg injuries or leg injuries. I mean, they could very well just be like, this isn't worth it. We have 55 or however much now of cap space. Dario and Robert Hurts. It's a it's a bad move on our part. We took a shot, but we're not going to like sacrifice the long term stability of this franchise by signing Jimmy Butler to a five year 190 million deal when in any given moment he might just be like trade me. Yeah, yeah. And then by by the way, the Woj report had massive caveats in it on that front where he was like they fully expect because uh, if you're the Sixers, you've got to get some sort of wink and nod assurance of that Jimmy is on board with. The idea, at least, right. of sticking around. But the Woj report was that the Sixers fully expect, barring any physical issues with Jimmy Butler, which he's got a lot of, Tibbs fucking ran him into the ground in two different spots. And then on top of that, how he fits with the, quote, Embiid-Simmons dynamic, which, as we outlined at the top of the show, big fucking big question if. mark. Big if. So, yeah, I mean, they've got a lot that they've got to figure out. I mean, this is, my initial reaction was, like, if the Sixers were going to do something like this, and we all, I wrote this in the piece that, like, Philadelphians had been sort of fantasizing about it for a long time. I always thought when the Sixers got to this point that the universal reaction in Philadelphia would have been like, fuck yeah. This is, uh, it's a home run, right? right? It's a home run if you're going to do something like this. And instead, the initial reaction was like, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. I th- they well, still need more probably. I think that speaks to how spectacularly fucked up Jimmy Butler's yeah. He's really, <laughs> I mean, he's, the petulance has been off the charts. I think it speaks to that. And I speaks, I think it speaks to the fact that, uh, you know, the NBA is extremely top heavy. And as you just said, does that get them past the Warriors? No, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily like, even get them out of the Eastern conference. Know, so, just, just, you know, just to remind everybody two years ago, I think it was two seasons ago, might've even been a season ago. The GMs in this league said that they would take Carl Anthony Towns over any young player, like whatever yeah, yeah, that thing yeah, was, yeah, where they were yeah. like, that guy's a fucking puddle. <laughs> Of tears right now. You yeah. know what I mean? That guy is a Smith song. And and this is where, and like, so th- we have these two long-term projects on our team, like Joel yeah. and, Co- I, I agree. Ben and Joel do not seem like shrinking violet millennials the way that Wiggins and Towns might. But that's why people aren't ready to throw a mummer's parade yet, I think, is because they're like, so the guy I who's prefer destroyed they- two locker rooms already. Right. 
and seems completely obsessed with whether or not he's going to get this five-year deal. And now the Sixers are on the hook for that five. The Sixers, if they say no, are they going to be the latest team that are just like, you know, Jimmy wanted this extra year. You know what I mean? And the Sixers now are the ones that are like, oh, we're not going to do that. You know what I mean? I'd prefer that they don't throw any mummers parades, period. But beyond that, just because it reminded me of this, we're also introducing Jimmy Butler into a locker room that includes Mike Muscala and Mike Muscala's dad. No. Who <laughs> was not in the locker room, but, but Mike Muscala's dad was being racist about Jimmy Butler. And to be yeah. fair, A, I don't think Mike Muscala's dad is in the locker room. No, not yeah, in the locker room. I, I, you know what I'm saying? And, like, and also, I don't think Mike Muscala was like that. Was He was not like he was like, cool dad he was like i'm really he's like yeah this guy sucked I, I, i'm sorry about I that i think like, if that was my dad i would also say that fucking sucks <laughs> however these are all things that you got to throw out there uh you also mentioned we mentioned what's left in minnesota we've gone this entire podcast without mentioning the timberwolves the other half of this trade what is left in minnesota and and does this get them back on track because it took a five game losing streak for tibbs to reportedly be like you know what they have too much of this. I don't think this Jimmy <laughs> Butler thing is going to work out. I think we need to trade him. So, like, they still have a tips problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I mean, well, you hope that Carl Anthony Towns can recapture some of that magic that he displayed pre-Jimmy Butler, where he looked like the generational Tim Duncan, like the Tim Duncan who shot threes, the guy who's going to be uh, the most well-rounded offensive big man of this generation. If he can capture that you know they can make some noise you hope they rally around it in much the same way that teams often rally around a coach getting fired you know get that bump the dead cat bounce the dead cat bounce from early Um, but it's it'll be you know it's it'll be really interesting to see it's carl anthony towns's time to like stand up and be the superstar now let's just take a quick i i I think it's worth really actually like letting a list in case listeners didn't see this athletic interview with sam amick and jimmy yeah because it it really speaks to life in minnesota right now Question. You played 41. This is after the Kings game. You played 41 minutes tonight. Jimmy Butler. This shit has to stop. That's incredible. (laughs) That shit has to stop. Why? We've got fucking 14 other guys. I feel like I'm watching the Mark Wahlberg departed scene where he's like, you lace curtain motherfucker. (laughs) Uh, It was reported earlier today. It doesn't matter, blah, blah, blah. And then he's like, I know, but 41 minutes, whenever I'm winning, I don't give a damn. And then he flips back and he's like, We've got fucking guys who can play. We've got to instill confidence in everyone. I don't think that he's the guy to do that necessarily. I think my confidence is high enough. I want all my guys to be successful. I want all these guys to play. Is that a combo with combo with Thibodeau that I have to have? Yeah, and everybody wants to talk about how motherfucker's not healthy, he said of himself. Well, goddamn, we're playing 41, 43, 44 minutes per game. It takes a toll. So... It turns out Tom Haberstroh was right. <laughs> turns out these guys do get tired. And it turns out Tom Thibodeau doesn't know what he's fucking doing anymore. And that's his guy. Yeah. Tibbs, Tibbs was Jimmy's guy and Jimmy was Tibbs's guy. And he's like, this is fucking... And both of them were like, you know what's not working? Us being each other's dudes. Yes. So yeah. I wonder now, like you introduce Robert Covington and Dario Th- That Sarge. was all to say that I don't necessarily think Jimmy leaving is going to make everything better. In no, I, like yeah. I said, they I, still I, have Tibbs, a, a Tibbs, Tibbs is, problem. Tibbs is the, yeah, Tibbs is the problem. The league has in very real ways passed Tom Thibodeau by, not just in the way that the way that minutes are viewed today as something really to be monitored in a real way in order to uh, alleviate player injuries down the road, and in the way that defenses are played completely differently yeah. than the way he made his mark in the league. When he was with Boston as an yes. assistant, Overload that was what everybody yeah. talked about, like the Tibbs defensive model. And Sharks has said this Everybody's times. on a string. Yep. It's over. Help. That's yeah. The done. Tibbs model's over. That's finished. So what does Tom Thibodeau add? What is the value added of Tom Thibodeau now? Not I honestly taking calls do from not other know. general yeah. managers. I honestly don't know. Running guys into the ground with their minutes. I sure. don't know either. I, like, I think... Wiggins's growth has been stunted and you could chalk part of that up obviously to Jimmy Butler but a lot of it I think has to do with with Tibbs and now it's can Tibbs adjust on the fly with two guys who he brings in and are useful pieces is he going to stagger minutes is he going to shorten up his rotations I think that I mean like let's let's be a little bit optimistic right so Rocco is a nice like it'll make up for the Jimmy size hole that they have especially in terms of perimeter defense Rocco and Wiggins are at least athletic out there on the wings I would hope that one of the things that as a Dario fan that I don't feel like he got to do enough of in, in Philly is be a playmaker. He's yeah, like a awesome. really, he's really sweet passers. passer. So I don't know if he could, I don't know if he's athletic enough to play point forward, 
but I would love to see more offense running through him, which is highly unlikely given the, all the different pieces and Derrick Rose and everybody else that's in Minnesota. But I would, I would hope that whoever, whether it's Thibodeau or the next coach in Minnesota, is like, this guy can pass his ass off. Like, yeah. let's put him yeah. more in like these Jokic style spots where he can th- pass out of the post, where he can pass to cutters. Like, so that would be a, my hope. And now it's like, there are no excuses for Carl Anthony Towns and there are no excuses for Andrew Wiggins. And when you watch the Wolves with the, the games that Butler's played this year, there was a marked difference in the body language of guys like Towns and Wiggins when it was like yeah. they were on the floor with Tyus Jones and Josh Kogi yeah. versus when they're on the floor with Jimmy Butler. So theoretically, you should get a, a response. And, and Towns is having a, a career-worst season right now. So uh, hopefully like that will cause him to have a a re- renaissance. I wonder when you're when you're talking about their body language when they're playing together and whatnot. Like it seemed like back in the days when they had just formed that unit and they were like getting out there and it was okay in the same way that it was okay for the Sixers to come along at a certain pace mm-hmm. and it was okay for them to lose and figure it out as they right. were going. That like there's something fun and enjoyable and like carefree and uh, disposable about it. Right? Yeah. There's no stakes. There's still stakes for them now. Uh, but I wonder if they like revert back into that, meh, you know, like they don't have anybody to really kick them in the ass. They don't have anybody to be a leader. Like they still have to do something. This team doesn't get to go back and be like, okay, well, we'll figure it out eventually. They still have to figure out if they can like stop losing, uh, you know, five games in a row on the road. They're going to have expectations in Minnesota that come with making the playoffs and trying to like, they also be something. really need to, I mean, they're 29th in attendance with yeah. Yeah. historically, you know, I would say an old owner. I mean, like they need to save this franchise, right? I mean, I, 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 they need to like give people a reason to care about the Timberwolves. Well, listen, Carl Anthony Towns averaged twenty five and twelve in his second year in the NBA. Like, find that guy. Get me that what guy. To that guy. Yeah, find me that guy back. If he's the superstar that we thought he was two years ago, then. You know what? There's a lot of teams in the NBA that would kill to have that entire roster with with Carl Anthony Towns. You're just, right. just have a guy of that quality. Yeah. So it's not a nightmare scenario. Like, figure it out. You have theoretically a budding superstar, a real superstar, a top five player in the NBA type level player. If that guy's still in there, great. Figure it out with him. It's not a bad situation. And we can say from experience that they're getting two really good guys. Yes. Yeah. And they're gonna people that the other guys in the locker room are going to enjoy. Yes, like he will. They, Rocco and Dario will immediately have a positive impact on yes. that locker room. Yeah. Covington, everybody loves, and Dario, by most accounts, is the funniest student. Yeah, I mean, McConnell was even talking about like yes. you know yeah. you could be having the worst day, and then Dario would walk in the room, and like everything would would change. Right, which they not a lot of laughs in that Timberwolves locker room recently. <laughs> yeah, they need <laughs> to use a couple yucks. <laughs> right. All right, we we've gotten through a lot of this trade. Did we miss anything? Anything else you want to throw out before we talk about the news that's unfolding as we as we record this podcast? <laughs> no, I mean I think that it's, I, I I think I would just say that my my attitude about this is just we've been through so much as Sixers fans, and yeah. you're welcome NBA for like the constant content mill that we provide. <laughs> they stay the most interesting team in the yeah, league. Yeah, and now yeah. of course now a Wednesday night game against the Magic is probably going to be the most watched game that night. You know what I mean? Like, but I think that. I'm so used to the chaos, you know what I mean, mm, by now. Yeah. Like I just I just feel so used to them being the the sort of the monkey get that gets shot into space that I I'm 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 kind of like, yeah, maybe this will work out or 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 maybe Jimmy will light it on fire. Either one of those outcomes would not surprise me. Content wise, it's great. Sure. It's, I yeah. mean talking wise, like just like as people who consume the league. Wednesday against the Magic. The Magic have to be thrilled. This will be the most viewers <laughs> yeah. that they've gotten in years and will uh, we'll get four years. That's true. I mean, and if I'm Kevin Jimmy Cl- Butler, I go out and score 40. Yeah. If right? I'm Jimmy Butler, like my mission in life is to be like, it's on now. I'm yeah. going to put it on everybody. Yeah. 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 All right. Take us through what happened as we were recording. We took a little break and you immediately saw what happened with uh, and Houston. Turns out things in Houston still not going well. Yeah. So things in Houston are not doing well. Uh, their defense has fallen off a cliff. More concerningly, their offense looks horrible. There mm-hmm. are a lot of circumstances that add to that, including the fight uh, that Chris Paul was involved in when he got spit on and James Harden's injury. But also, their big name addition, Carmelo Anthony, has been playing really poorly. It hasn't gone well. Hasn't Weird. gone well. Now, I think you can make an argument that if the core of this team is not playing well, is dysfunctional, which is has not been playing well. Harden and CP3 still trying to figure it out. 
the rest of the team still trying to figure it out, then how can you expect Carmelo to, you know— Just automatically be better. It's not all on him, but he's been playing terribly. And so Mark Stein just uh, tweeted. So there was early reports that uh, the Rockets were going to, quote, something like reevaluate the situation with Carmelo Anthony. And Mark Stein just uh, tweeted that the Rockets have denied they are waiving Carmelo Anthony. But two sources close to the situation say Anthony has been informed that his brief time with the team will soon be ending. Anthony has been listed out as, quote, out— for Houston's game tonight against Indiana due to illness. It is really shocking the alacrity with which this has come apart. It, it brings yeah. to mind like Allen Iverson with the Grizzlies. Mm-hmm. Like it's it just- went downhill fast. Fast. Yes. It feels like we we just had like relatively serviceable, still a superstar mellow. And now it's like when this goes down and it sounds like it's going to, what happens with Melo? Is he like? Does anybody bother picking him up? Yeah, he, is he done? Is he going to end up in China? Like, what are we talking about? Are we talking about hoodie Melo in China? It depends on what he wants. If he wants to wait and see if uh, a playoff team wants to like take a flyer on him, you know what I mean? Like, he didn't I even mean, want to come off the bench to start the year, Chris. If yeah, if, so, if, some if he gets gonna... released by the the Houston Rockets, who are essentially turning around and saying that this is the reason, aside from Chris Paul being out and Jeff Bedzelik taking a six week sabbatical or whatever and now coming back to run the defense. If they're saying Melo is the reason why we're not competing with the Warriors for the one seed in the Western Conference Finals, I think he's going to have to go play in Cleveland or Brooklyn or Orlando or Atlanta and go back to Atlanta. You know, yeah. some, uh, some team where like he is out of it. If he wants yeah, to yeah, start yeah. playing next week, like he's going to yeah. have to go play for a tanking team that just needs someone to bring 25 more people to the arena. Otherwise, he can sit stay in shape and hope that an eight seed or a seven seed who wants to take a run, like a Detroit wants to try and, and, and like bring him on for nothing and see if he does anything in the playoffs. Yeah, but in what role I think is the issue? He's already coming off the bench, shooting 32% yeah. from three, not getting to the line at all. He's got his lowest free throw attempts per game of his career. So the idea was that you'd finally unlock this Olympic mellow spot-up guy who was so dangerous in the perimeter, can use his speed against the bigger guys, take you know other players out to the deep water and, and shoot threes off the catch. That was the utility. That was what you were hoping to get out of a mellow who was not the high-usage mellow of the past. Now, if you can't get that, if you can't get value there— what do you have? I'm not actually, I don't, I don't know. know. Like there's not, he's not like an ISO Joe kind of specialist anymore. No. Like his specialty was scoring in a inefficient way with high volume. Yeah. No team is trying to win games is going to let him do that. I know that. where he should go. Tell me. Don't say New York. Yeah, so. I was gonna. I was gonna ask you if you wanted him back. <laughs> One of the problems is, is that with Oklahoma and with Houston, they're both asking Melo not to be Melo. Because we have like this like 15 minute hype reel of Olympic mellow that we think is going to be like, that's how, that's what he is. <laughs> mellow needs to play in the mid-range. He needs to play in a stable environment where he knows exactly what he's supposed to do. He needs to play in a place where they're like, this is the deal, dude. And like, this is what you can bring to our team. He needs to go play with the master and the commander, <laughs> the mid-range god, Greg Popovich in the San Antonio. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Hear me out. <laughs> um, First of all. Wow. Same state taxes. So financially, like you're just making a completely lateral move. The move also pretty short distance. You might even be able to keep whatever you bought in Houston. That's right. And like, you want to shoot mid-range jumpers? That's all the Spurs do these days. That's all we do. That's all we do. Spell Demar for a second. (laughs) All of a sudden I'm on board with this. I'm sure Shea somewhere when he listens to this will be very on board with it. (laughs) The Spurs are a surprising seven and four. I'll say this. If that happened. And Popovich wins anywhere between 48 and 50-plus games. He should go into whatever is above the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Yeah. And it should be immediately while he's alive there right now. There should be now, something named after coach. him. Right. I think yeah. we should name the league after him. Yeah. It should be the uh, the Greg Popovich Association. <laughs> Larry yeah. Bryan O'Brien comes off the trophy. Yes. Popovich instead of, goes instead on. of Jerry West, the logo should just be Pop wearing a Beto hat. Yes. <laughs> Listen, if they win 50 games with a team where, like, Patty Mills is the one guy shooting threes and everybody else is taking mid-range shots— and one of those guys is Carmelo Anthony. Yeah, I mean, like, make Greg Popovich the commissioner Popovich and also let him coach. It's it's fucking amazing the spells that he can cast. You don't want him back in New York, right? No, Even though you guys are tanking. No, come on. All right, he, he, he like, doesn't want it. The effect on the young guys is. You want him like, in Philly? 
Oh, fuck no. Oh, no, no, that would be, I, I mean, I wouldn't, I'm not even sure I would send it like uh, off to the G League to fucking draw people for whatever, for, the, for whatever the 87ers are now, yeah. the blue coats or whatever the fuck. Um, yeah, maybe a team like if you're trying to put people in seats like in Orlando or yeah. someplace like that where you're like, we know we're going to lose, we know we're going to be bad. Atlanta, you mentioned Atlanta. Actually, Atlanta would probably be a good spot for him. Yes. There's a target for Trey Young, a professional scorer that Trey Young can uh, throw the ball to instead of like the but Vince are, Carter and the bunch of other guys that he throws the ball to now. We are not far away from when the, the Allen Iverson Ooh, Memphis reference was right. Denver. Oh my God. That, <laughs> terrible for the Nuggets. Great for everybody else. <laughs> it's going to um, I mean, I'm so bored of talking about Melo, but now all of a sudden I'm kind of like, no, like, 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 where should he go? The Jazz? That would be another fit where I'd be like, bless their hearts. There's very few teams where I'd be like, okay, he's not going to be able to do any damage there yeah. because if he does do any damage, what is it? That's matter? why he'll probably run up on like the Cavs or something yeah. like it's, that. It's, yeah. Here's all you need to know about like the 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 state of Melo's career and the state of the NBA right now. Joe Ingles is a better player than Carmelo Anthony like, and it's not close. Oh, by a by a million but, miles. Like, it's not close. Joe Ingles is an efficient player and yeah. way underrated. Yeah. What's gonna happen with the Rockets though? <sighs> I <Listen>. mean, <laughs> the Western Conference is so upside down right now. Like, just to wrap this up here. The Rockets are four and seven. The Mavericks have the same amount of wins as the Rockets. The Timberwolves have the same amount of wins as the Rockets. Only the Suns are worse than those three teams. I mean, that's really, like, it's it's crazy. The, the Lakers just got to 500. The Jazz are at 500. The Pelicans are at 500. The Kings are barely hanging on above 500. I mean, it's a weird conference right now. I mean, here's the most shocking stat about the Houston Rockets. Last year, obviously, when they had their best lineup in, they were essentially a historic offense. They are 27th in the league in offense right now, 104.7 offensive rating per 100 possessions. That is like, that is more troubling to me than the defense, which is also abysmal. If Bizdelic, if his return can rejuvenate them in any way, then like this guy is a god. But to me, the more concerning thing is their offense because that should not be a struggle. Why is the offense this bad? Yeah. Very troubling. They had health issues. Sure, they had suspension. Like, right, that was that's part they of it. They had new pieces. They lost us. They lost some shooters, but like twenty seventh in the league in offense. Not good under the Cavaliers. Is like what's wrong? Something There's a lot is of things. very a lot very of things wrong, wrong yeah. in Houston. Nothing wrong in Philadelphia. <laughs> Everything's good and rosy. Chris has come around. I'm super excited. <laughs> it's going to be great entertainment wise. Minnesota, Godspeed. I have no idea what you have there. You need to launch Tibbs into the sun. Point Dario. Point Dario, it'll be very exciting. Uh, I want to thank Chris Ryan for being here, Jason Concepcion for being here. You've got binge mode, That's you've right. got NBA desktop back, you're on Heat Check frequently, group chat. Uh, is it a source of say week? No, we have the the watch and the watch's yeah. been killing it. Andy is still in parts unknown. He's just, he's just around. He's, he's in just the ether. around. He yeah. is in the ether. Yeah. I like it. Uh, <laughs> shouts to Andy. I'm sure he was very excited about that. I saw him on Much Twitter. Much more than I was. Very really? excited yes. about yes. this. He was pumping yes. all kinds of takes into his veins, so uh, he'll have some content to to consume while he's putting his show to bed. Isaac Lee, thank you as always for doing this. I want to remind everybody to please rate and review us on iTunes. Check out Heat Check every Monday, The Mismatch on Tuesday, Sources Say Alternate Wednesdays, Group Chat, Corner 3, all of your Ringer NBA show needs. We will be back next Monday. Thanks for listening, gang. Bye.